Welcome to Do You Know You, the Enneagram podcast where we know you better than you know yourself. Hey. Hello. So I want to start out by asking you what your microphone smells like. Does it have a smell? I mean, it just kind of smells like commercial products. Like, like foam? Yeah, like a TV, kind of. has like a staticky. Ionic. Wait, when you say TV, like the physical television or like the waves? The physical television. <laughs> okay, why are you smelling your TV? That's weird. But everybody knows like, I mean, okay, I guess TVs now don't like, but do you, you remember like TVs used to have like a smell? Yeah, I mean like I kind of know what you They mean. had like an electricity, like ionic Your grandparents had like an old timey wood. Oh yeah, TV. with like okay. a butt. We had one of those at one point and then... You know, oh, it upgraded. probably weighed like 300 pounds. Yeah, or no, something. like literally a thousand pound television. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those did have a smell. Yeah. I think it was the wood, though. No. And like the electricity no, or like the, the power. Wood. I don't know. Anyway. It's like, you know, that smell that would come out of like the little vents in the back on like the big butt of the TV. Yes. And it kind of had that like electric. It's just like really toxic EMF. Probably. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's light like lightning, kind of. <laughs> That's what it smelled like to me. Lightning. So that's what, that's what my microphone smells like. Okay. Yeah. I can't really, I can't really place it. I don't love it. I mean, yours might be dirty. I don't know. Yeah. Why would it be dirty? I don't know. Do you clean your mouth? Well, yes, I clean my mouth, but I don't clean the microphone. Maybe it's like spit and foam. Okay. okay. I think this is like kind of gross. Have we, have we veered? We haven't even begun to be on track. So. Let's try that. So, um, I really wanted to talk about, um, I've been revisiting some, 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 just some basic spiritual, spirituality. Sometimes I like to just go back to basics, as you know. Um, so I like to revisit Eckhart Tolle, um, from time to time, you know, we read him years ago, uh, like 2008, seven, something like that. Um, but uh, anyway, I found these really cool. Um, they're basically like recordings of a retreat that he did. Um, and they're like 13 hours long. I, <laughs> I got them on Audible. Um, anyway, you can find them there. There's several. But one of the ones I was listening to is taking questions and somebody asked him if he'd ever heard of the Enneagram, which he had trouble saying. He was like, An- Anne- Enneagram. But, you know, I get it. It's not something he comes across. And actually, I've heard him talk about, someone asked him about the Enneagram once and he was like i know something about types and i don't know how that gets you out of ego but then then this other one which i played for you um he said someone gave him a book uh and he found it very interesting um and he could see how it could be useful because it's pointing you to what your ego is doing right right like it kind of helps you fast track and so i thought it might be interesting for us to discuss like how basically doing mindfulness or presence work um, can be complementary with the Enneagram. Of course, he then says, like, nothing, you know, there, it's fingers pointing to the moon. It's not it. But and ultimately, you have to let go of all systems eventually. But that it can be a helpful tool for people, which is basically how we teach it. Um, I still fail to see how the Enneagram itself is. I mean, I think it could be an entryway into deeper spiritual study, but it for me, um, I you know, I I know some people like that's what they do. That's what Erika was, right? It was like mm-hmm. using the Enneagram for spiritual transformation, and I think it can be a useful doorway. Um, but I think people often get very stuck in, you know, which is ironic me saying this and us saying this but people can get really stuck in like the details and intricacies of the types and what the types do and what they look like and what they say and um and i think you do have to know those things um in order to get out of it but yeah i thought we have a little little presence talk a little philosophical discussion if you will of how to use the enneagram and um and how it is not how you can use it with um, mindfulness or presence work. Yeah. Basically. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I know you work with this with clients. Um, a little it, bit. Yeah. I dabble. Yeah. I'd like to work with it more. Right. But I mean, so this is how you know we're not scamming people because we're literally like, hey, here's how to not be as obsessed with the Enneagram. Right. When that's like what we do. Um, so we're like, hey, here's how to be less attached to the thing that we do. Right. Um, you know, this is a big, it's a big topic and a little topic at the same time. Right. When you really break it down, there's not a lot to say other than, you know, I think a lot of people come to this work wanting to be better, to improve themselves, um, and then they want to know what to do. How do I work on my type? And certainly there are ways to work with your type. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we need to break a few things down, break down a few concepts before we really get into this. Um, You know, you've probably heard us say this before, but if you haven't, it bears repeating. Um, Your type is not who you are. Your type is the ego structure that is running right. in your mind. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's like the scaffolding of your psyche. Right. And it's there to keep you safe. And it's what we call ego. Right. Um, but by definition, something that is ego cannot be you. Right. And so it's confusing because people are like, I'm a seven, I'm a two, this is my type. And like, it is your type, but it is not you. I think that's why Echazo taught it as fixations. Right. That the ego gets fixated. Yes. In, well, really three different domains, but your ego gets fixated in a particular area. And then it becomes what he talks about as like habitual. Um, repetitive mind movements Mm -hmm. because of the fixation that, and this is just part of being in the human condition. Right. I mean, Chazo was aware of that. It was like, that is part of being human is having an Enneagram type, having a, he didn't even call it types, having a fixation. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yes, I think some people try to, unless you are one of the lucky people, one out of uh, 9 billion people that experiences ego death um like someone like Eckhart Tolle who still has the overlays of a five uh five nine four or two um you're you have an ego and even with you know without getting too specific you know yes like you were saying your ego is separate from you know your essence your soul you know who you are beyond your ego and so you know you can have plenty of spiritual which i think everybody does on some level spiritual soul awareness intelligence um but your ego can still get fixated and stuck and that's just part of being a human being right and so i think it's necessary to name it um some people can get there without it there are plenty of people you know that do all kinds of spiritual work and they don't name their egos and learn all the intricacies but I found it interesting that Eckhart Tolle was like, yeah, I mean, it fast tracks, you know, it, it can be helpful to know where your ego is fixated. So you know where to look, right? You know where you get hooked. And that's exactly, I mean, in essence, that's what we're doing here. Right. Is we're trying to help people fast track their self work. Um, and while it might appear that we're trying to identify people's egos just for fun or right. for just the sake label of it. People right. And, right. What we're doing is trying to help individuals understand the structure that they're working with, the operating system they've been given. And part of that is your instinct. Part of that is your type. And part of that is your tri-type. Right. And to understand that fully is then to be able to loosen that structure and to move outside of it yeah developing awareness of this operating system that's already been running Mm -hmm. that most people until they find something like the enneagram you may get pieces of it right 
um, you know, especially if you've been to therapy or something. Um, but what the the Enneagram does is it gives us a sort of structure. Uh, there are no new. I love how you know Byron Katie says and Eckhart Tolle says also. Lots of spiritual teachers say there are no new thoughts, right? Right. Um, and there are only and thoughts can be clustered into only so many different categories, mm-hmm. especially the human ego, right? The human ego thinks it's really smart and clever, but it's really pretty basic. Um, and so if you can identify these tapes, and we used to, I used to teach it like that, right? You have mm-hmm. these tapes that are running. Um, and a lot of, for many people who haven't found the Enneagram, the, ta- the volume of the tape or the, I'm, d- I'm dating myself, the tape or the CD or the, mp3 that's playing right is is low right there you're only somewhat aware of the content right and working with something like the enneagram you kind of turn up the volume on this content that's been playing um so that you can recognize it so if if you're using the enneagram correctly if i can say so you may um because i do think there's a right I do way too. to use it you may um yeah, they're not just typing people for, you know, the sake of it, right? Or, of course, you're starting with yourself. Um, you're using it to get out of, to turn up the volume on the, the tape that's running so that you can then turn it back down and not listen to it. Because I think when it's running in the background on this unconscious level and you're just reacting to things and slamming around and being entrenched in your type, and then you feel like the world, you know, the is basically working against you in some way when it's really you working against yourself because you haven't developed the awareness yet to be able to stop yourself in the moment, you know, when you're in the midst of a reaction or whatever the limiting thought is around. And usually it's constellated around our type or instinct. Like you said, I mean, I can confidently say before finding the Enneagram, you know, it's not that I didn't know what I was like, but I think it's pretty clear for a lot of people that when you actually find your type, you haven't always thought of yourself in that way. Right. And maybe not understood what you're doing within that kind of structure. Right. So it's a roadmap, Mm -hmm. it's a map if you will, mm-hmm. that tells you, here's where I've been, here's where I am right now. Right. And I can expect to be going in this direction if I continue identifying with this dialogue. But I think a lot of times when I see people, the volume is turned up so high. Right. And they're suffering. It people, seems real. Yeah. yeah. People are suffering. And they're suffering because they believe what they're telling themselves. Right. They believe that the voices, and I'm calling it voices. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we all have internal dialogue. Right. Yeah. And that internal dialogue is not who you are. Right. But if you believe it, you're going to suffer. Right. And so I think understanding that this is a program mm-hmm. that runs not only in you, but in others. Right. And it feels good to find other people that can understand. And it helps you to know that you're not crazy. Mm -hmm. This is normal. And you can continue living with this affliction that we call ego. Um, But to really understand it and to hold it compassionately is the only thing that we can do to then move into that role of looking with observer eyes. Yeah. And I think, I think, so I think one of the mistakes that people make on the, um, and I say mistake, meaning that, you know, you may get there eventually, but it, you're going to take a roundabout way to get there is that people sometimes, especially people that are, say you are, you know, okay, found the Enneagram. I know my type and try type and instinct. I've, I've nailed down the things right. Right. Accurately. Which is important. Um, important. uh, uh, Otherwise, you know, it's like working on a car with the wrong manual. You know, you can get somewhere, but eventually you're not going to be doing anything. Um, And you might even mess some things up. So getting it right is important, which is why we we really do emphasize accurate typing, um, which is a process, right? But... um, but it's so what often what people do is then, okay, so I found my type and then they want to, 
they want to get rid of their type. They want to get rid of their ego. <laughs> and then I'm, I have to be, I, you know, I hate to break it to you, but it's not going anywhere. I, uh, good luck. Um, I wish you the best. Yeah. Um, and some people, you know, uh, all, really what you can hope for is greater and greater pauses in the mm-hmm. ego content coming up. But really the best you can hope for is to be able to catch it and notice it. So it's not about eliminating your ego. Right. It's about learning to recognize when your ego is triggered, when it's lying to you, which I'd say 85% of the time it is. Yeah. The other 15% of the time it might actually be helping you do something in the human world, right? And until we live in a utopia where there's no ego and everything's ideal and perfect, there's some amount of needing to be able to utilize um, the strengths of your type uh, in order to navigate the human world, but you're not going to get rid of it. And so I sometimes I hear people in, in coaching, and I know you've heard it too, where it's like, well, how do I they're they're doing a they're doing a lot right to yes. try to stop themselves from doing or thinking a certain thing and usually i'm like how's that working out for you because the more you try to do something to get rid of your ego programming the louder it's going to get right what you resist persists right so it's about awareness just i was working with someone the other day i said just notice it and they're like and then what and i said nothing all you have to do is notice it and then that's creating the presence, right? You're creating the awareness. You've already created space because you've caught yourself thinking whatever it is. That doesn't mean you don't react or do whatever it is that you were thinking. No, you might still do it. But then the next time, um, you might stop yourself before doing it. And then over time, you notice that you have more and more space in between when the ego flares up and when it doesn't. As opposed, I think we've all met people that are like constantly. Mm-hmm. All they hear is the mental dialogue, the mental streams of what they think. the The fear that is the engine behind the ego is just running their lives. Mm-hmm. So, um, you're not going to get rid of your enneagram type. You can quiet it significantly to the point where you know, if many of us, um, you know, you meet some people that have done a lot of spiritual work, and yet sometimes it is really hard to tell what their type is absolutely because they've loosened that grip enough to where it's not running the show right it's not about getting rid of it it's about being able to move outside of it right so instead of being locked in the house now you can open the door and go outside right and look at it from a different point of view and say like do i want to be in the house today do i need this right or do i have a choice right to move freely. Using the ego as a tool rather than it using you. Yes, exactly. And and like I said, you know, there there are plenty of times I know in my own life where and and I will also say that people once you start to develop a level of awareness or presence of what your ego's doing and it starts to loosen, people also like miss it, like they want you to be in your ego. Oh, absolutely. Um because Egos recognize egos. They resonate with egos. Um, presence or someone who is being more present or aware can feel um, almost threatening to someone who is really trapped in their ego. Um, so they'll try to pull you back in to to ego, and and but you and you can, you know. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, have fun with your type. Like enjoy the, um, you know the the gifts and the tools that your specific type and tri-type and instinct give you in the world of form without making it you. Right. And I know you and I have talked a lot about people getting so attached to um really not wanting to do the work that they'll retype themselves and they want to be something else. Always. Um and that's just another way the ego is like wants to play. Right. Because I, mean, I, I would say, you know, there's a couple things. If you've been looking, I'm using air quotes, looking for your type mm-hmm. and you're past, you know, a one year mark, two year right. into decades, 
Yeah. I mean, for some people and no, multiple we've, decades. Yeah, we've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to ask a couple of questions. The first one is that you probably need professional help being typed accurately. Right. And, you know, I won't go, I won't get on my high horse about <laughs> taking in feedback from the outside and needing help from other people. You all have heard this in our other episodes. Um, but I think a lot of people just do not receive the correct information and they're not getting professional feedback. Right. They're getting uh, amateur feedback, armchair experts, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, and then the second thing you need to ask yourself is how you're benefiting from not finding it. Right. And that answer might be different yeah. for different What's types. What's the payoff? Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, I tell all my clients, everything we do has a payoff. Mm-hmm. Even if it sounds negative. Yeah, well, the ego loves that. It's easy to say, you know, well, I don't like this because it makes me feel bad. Yeah. Well, then why do you keep doing it? Right. Because there's a payoff. There's yeah. something we get to believe about ourselves. Yeah. And so for some people, not finding their type makes them special. It makes them impossible right. to type. They're difficult. They're complex. Mm-hmm. For other people, they get to be a victim. Um, for other people, it's not giving someone the satisfaction right. of being right about mm-hmm. them. You know, whatever it is, but it's ego games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that's a frustration we've run into is sometimes other people's ego games then become yeah. cumbersome for our work. Yeah, and you pointed on something or pointed at something really important about the ego, which is that the ego doesn't delineate um you know so the stress and um you know despair and agonizing and all of those things that we look at and think well i don't want to feel that and the body certainly doesn't like to feel those things and it's not good for the body but the ego loves it oh yeah um because it gives you a story Mm -hmm. it's something to suffer about it's uh, we feel like we're doing something, right? So sometimes we've seen people just agonize over their type and retyping themselves, and um, and it's it's a way, it's 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 a way for the ego to avoid being found for yeah. one thing. And usually, what we see is that people find it. Um, maybe they've come to us or someone else, and or they found their type, and then they they come to us and they want confirmation, and or we confirm it, or we whatever we type them, and they find it and they land. And then some time goes by, and that ego is like, yeah, but maybe it's this, and maybe it is, um, and you know, maybe some exploration happens. But it's a, it's a way to not do the work um, because the ego doesn't want you, nor can you really figure out all of the tip, the, the tricks and nooks and crannies, and nor do you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love how um Eckhart Tolle talks about you know you could be in psycho uh go to psychoanalysis for 30 years and then you leave and you get this huge book all about yourself a 500 page book and you read it and you someone inevitably you will go yeah but this can't be it though there's got to be something else right you could still be confused right it's an endless search right and so you know, for those those of you out there that like retyping and like playing with different types, just acknowledge that you're playing a game. Yeah. Um, and know that it's your ego trying to be special, be significant, um, not be found out, not giving someone else the satisfaction of, you know, who may have pinned you or whatever. Um, just it's ego games. Right. And you can do it, but just be aware that that's what you're doing. And don't mistake it for doing work. Right. You're not, you're truly not going anywhere. Right. You know, people always, um, I think my criticism of a lot of Enneagram teachers, especially ones that won't help people type, I think if you don't know what you're doing, that's best. Yeah. Um, typing is its own thing and it's very specific. Yeah. Um, if you don't know how to do that, certainly don't do it. Yeah. I think it's more harmful to try to type people when you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, but this, like, let's let people type themselves. And that's fine. Yeah. We can do that. And there certainly are people that get it. Yeah. I've met people oh, and yeah. they're like, 
well, you guys are talking about people mistyping themselves. And so I was like, oh, no. No, I know. Yeah, some people worry and they're about it. correctly and they, typed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So some people, they have the self-awareness. They mm-hmm. know and they find it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more often people do have some degree of difficulty all the way to just this endless rabbit hole of navel gazing. Yeah. And, but then there's a glorification. Well, I'm searching, I'm taking my time, Mm -hmm. I'm learning, I'm figuring it out. And I do think you need to know about all of the types. Yes, I was going to say. When people are like, oh, I think I'm this type, but I haven't read about any other types. Okay. Well, the Enneagram has to be learned as a a a compare and contrast system. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you've got to know all of them before you can say, this is me. You know, you can't stop at chapter three. Right. Um, but I just would encourage you to recognize that you're not doing work. You're actually avoiding the work. Yeah. And you're doing a kind of busy work in a weird way. Like, a, um, you can learn a lot about yourself. Let's put it that way. Sure. Um, exploring different types and, you know, you can learn a lot about yourself. You're not learning. You're not any closer to figuring out who you are. No. None of that is who you are. So that's why people can... And yeah, I I totally concede. Like, um, Should you be able to read any type and uh, to some extent, like... Because this is what people that are, you know, critics of the system, right? Right. Because there's that confirmation bias thing. People can read stuff and be like, yeah, that's me. Absolutely. And which, yes, you should be able to see all nine types within you there mm-hmm. these are all just different versions of the same collective human ego segmented into nine parts right so you should be able to read parts of a type and this is what people do they will read like two sentences mm-hmm. out of a type oh that's not me so i'm not that type. or they'll read two sentences out of another type and be like i do that yeah. am i a seven right i like to plan things i'm a seven what though like that those so those two sentences this mm-hmm. whole chapter on nine mm-hmm. describes you, but because you didn't like the way it sounded overall, you read these two sentences in seven, or in a worse, a meme about seven or something, and that's you. Mm-hmm. Now, ask yourself why that why why you're going to abandon a general gestalt that describes your psychological experience and abandon it for two sentences in another type, right? What is it that's making you want to do that? Yeah. And that's usually what people do when they have landed mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they pivot. Yep. And then they start looking for examples. And this is where confirmation bias comes in of why they're this other type. Mm-hmm. And they start making their behaviors and thoughts and everything fit into this other thing. It's pushing a puzzle piece into a spot right. where it doesn't fit. And then what I also see people do, and this is the part I think that really upsets me. Mm-hmm. Is they enroll other people into this game. I'm messaging people all the time. Mm -hmm. I'm meeting with people. I'm asking every expert I know. I'm spending money. And all the time, because I need to hear that people see me the way I want them to. Right, validate me. And I want them to tell me I'm a seven. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to do whatever I can to hear it. And you can do that. But it doesn't make it true. You know what's funny is that even if they do find someone that agrees with them, it doesn't fit. It doesn't stick. It doesn't stick because because they they know know it's not true. It's not really it. Right. It's not satisfying to hear, I'm agreeing with what you want me to say. your delusion. Exactly. Right. And and the thing is, is like all the types, I mean, even the type that you are is a delusion. I mean, that's what they are. But then, like, why a double delude yourself? Right. You're in the wrong delusion. <laughs> right, right. At least get in. At least get your delusion. At least right. get the delusion that's actually functioning. <laughs> right. Not the one you want it to be, because then it's like double delusion. And then you have even further to go to break free from that. Right. Yeah. It, there, there is a lot of, there's a lot of traps with the Enneagram. And it's, um, you know, we've, we've dealt with people. Um, and we, even before we started, you know, our business, um, saw people on this journey that just wanted to play. Mm-hmm. You know, they just wanted to... That's what we call it, playing, it's playing. And you can play with it. Don't... I prefer that you not 
waste my time. I don't want to play. <laughs> I'm not here it. to play. Read. You can read the stuff and look on Instagram or whatever, but don't book time with me and play. Yeah. I can play for a little bit uh, if we're really yes. trying to figure it out. Of course. And there's openness. That's part of it. And that is what makes the Enneagram fun. It can be fun. You know, when you start seeing these patterns and realizing like, oh my God, there's these people are doing the same things and you know, especially when you get into visual typing and all of that is mm-hmm. wonderful mind candy. The human, we love it, right? Um, but then there's a point where you're just, you know, you're playing uh, in a way that eventually becomes draining to other people mm-hmm. because it becomes clear you're not interested in the truth. Right. You're interested in maintaining a delusion. And then if the delusion that, you know, once we find your type, that's a delusion in and of itself. But then if that delusion, you don't like that one, probably because it's too close to home um, or you don't like the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always tell people, you know, when they're like, I just, I don't know, I just don't like it. I just, don't, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably a good indication mm-hmm. that that's it. You're not supposed to like right. it. Right. Why are you supposed to? <laughs> right. Who told you you're supposed to like it? Right. I'm I'm interested in why we believe we're supposed to feel good. Right. All the time. About our egos. About our egos. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and if it's not who you are, why does it matter if you like right. it? Yes. You already don't like it because it's causing you suffering. Right. So why not correctly? I mean, so not to compare myself to a doctor, but I'm going to compare myself to a doctor. Yeah, please. Doctor of the mind. There, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a doctor here, of the ego. Here we'll, I am. We'll say that way. Yes, yeah. doctor of the. I'm. An, yeah. I'm your ego doctor yeah. here. And how does it help you for me to misdiagnose your illness? Right. You can't treat your illness. You can't deal with it, and you can't get better. Right. Exactly. Let me tell you your illness. We'll find it together. Identify it. Land with it. Yeah. Work with it, move outside of it. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I I understand. You know, someone might be listening to this and be like, "God, it's just they sound so arrogant." But like, the thing is, is when you've seen and worked with um, these types in the way that we have over and over and over, and over again, and, over. and you hear them describe things the same way. You know, you hear a um, a two, for example, over and over and over again say the same things, different twos don't know each other, mm-hmm. almost to the word. And then they tell you they're not to. And the emotional expression that goes with it. Yeah. And the life circumstances and stories and relationship problems they have. And then you're like, yeah, this sounds like two. And then they come back and they want to be something else. And you're like, okay, well, explain to me how right. all of this fits into two. And you found this one thing that says you're a five. And they're focusing on that one thing, and then they want to fit their whole life into this one lens that they're looking through. And then they get mad at you when you don't agree with. I mean, I typically know I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to get real. I have gotten to a point with the Enneagram where, um, uh, in some ways, if if people are playing like we're talking about, I just find it boring. The same. Um, because it's, um, and I know that we've had longer with it than a lot of people, right? It's been 25, almost 25 years. But I didn't spend 25 years typing myself. Right. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that in a braggy way, but no. it's like you, you know, something's wrong. Right. Well, move, let's move, let's progress. Right. Um, and, and I just, I know there's a time for that and I have no problem. I think it can be, I actually find it more interesting when I've met someone that hasn't come across it at all and aren't attached oh, to it. Oh, absolutely. Um, I love that. It's actually very refreshing. Yeah. But with it being so popular now um, and people consuming lots of internet content and there's lots of quote unquote experts now um, on the Enneagram and then it it's like... I don't know. It just doesn't, it's boring. <laughs> I have a new client that 
in our consultation, she was like, you know, I haven't really known about this very long. So like, this is what I got on my test. And she was like, I don't even really know what that means. And that was just like honey in my ears. I'm just like, we will talk about what it means. The innocence of it, because they're not attached, but people get so attached to an idealized image of who they want to be. And, and part of it, you know, I will say that every type has an idealized image which we account for like in our test and we're looking at it, there's a way that each of the nine types want to be seen. Right. What I'm confused by is when someone's idealized image isn't even their type. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They don't, it's not even like they want to be the idealized version of their type. They just want to be something completely different. And I recognize that the level of, um, on one level, the level of pain mm-hmm. you have to be in, uh, whether you recognize it or not, to, yeah. to do that. Because it's like it's so painful to see yourself clearly that you have to see yourself as someone else. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to lie to yourself, right? And so I have, I do have compassion for that, absolutely. Um, and there are some people that are, you know, we can say that too, and they recognize it, and they're yeah. like, okay, yeah, like I don't want to do that, right? Yeah. But then there are some people that are just dedicated to the delusion, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Right. Um, but and I'm dedicated to to the truth, right? And 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 that doesn't mean the truth is our truth. As this is what we're saying, you are. Well, thank you for saying that because I do think people hear us talking about this, and I work with clients all the time. That's all I do. Yeah, that's like my entire life. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of people where I can say, you know, do you think that maybe this is how you need to see yourself? And they could see it. Right. They're like, you know what? You're right. right. I think I do need that. And here's why. Um, and here's what's keeping me from wanting to see what's really happening. And they can open up that dialogue and we can work inside of that. Right. You know, what is it about this type that you like? Mm-hmm. What's making you feel good about it? Well, did you know that that's also part of your type? Right. And maybe you didn't realize that, you know, but there are also people, I think, that believe that I have an investment in them being a specific type. And it's not about my investment. Mm -hmm. I don't know you from Adam. Like, baby girl, I don't know your middle name. (laughs) Right. You know, like, I don't, it's irrelevant to me what the type is. Right. They're all the same to me. Right. They're types. Yeah. They mean nothing. Yeah. So, but what I see is I feel your energy. I see your micro expressions. I feel the pattern. I see the patterning and it's st- it's standing out so boldly to me. Right. And I'm like, this is what I see. And the person's like, no, you don't know. Right. And then, and then the question I often ask, and I have asked before, is then if I'm not seeing it and you're telling me all these things and I'm telling you what I see, then are you not, what are you not telling me? Mm-hmm. If there's something I'm missing... Mm-hmm. Then let me know. Well, no, I've told you right. everything. Well, then I'm telling you. I'm paying you <laughs> right. to tell you that you're wrong. Right, right. In the words of a dear friend of ours, um, <laughs> it's just not one eight hundred. Tell me what you want to hear. Exactly. Um, Love you, girl. Right. So, so I think there, but there are plenty of uh, enneagram practitioners out there that will do they that. They sure will. And they'll take your money. And or they are. This is my opinion, and you have to buy into. Well, right, there's that too. Buy into my assessment. No questions, or, no yes. analysis. This is it. Don't say anything and else I'm to me. And I'm angry if you don't agree. Pay me, right? Right, and that's not where we're coming. No, from. It, it's um, uh, you know, yeah, I think we're both typically, you know, I, I mean, I know for most of our lives, at least that we know each other, we've been very dedicated to understanding ourselves, and then the truth. Um, of other people, because we really do believe that when you understand other people, it creates more compassion and all of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's my only investment. Yes, if there is an investment at all. Yes, is do you want a? Do you want to get out of suffering? Mm-hmm. Because everyone is, whether they recognize it or not, is suffering. You wouldn't be a human, right, without it. That's part of what the ego is attached to, and. And the Enneagram really can help you get out of that. But you have to be brutally honest about what it is. And, and, and that requires developing um, self-awareness in a different way. It's mm-hmm. a self-awareness within the context of a 
system or structure. Mm -hmm. You can develop self-awareness and never know about the Enneagram and be into Zen Buddhism or whatever and probably get to the same place. Um, But if you find something like the Enneagram and you think it fast tracks, then yes, you need to know about all the types and how the system works. And there is a huge difference in people that learn the whole system and learn all nine types um, I think they tend to a be able to type better, right? But they have an easier time. Like when we teach people the enneagram that don't know the enneagram, and we are able to teach them all nine types and the system and everything, and then they walk away with their test results and having learned about all the types, and they have all the information, or you know, at least a good overview of it, and mm-hmm. then they can make a more informed decision. And I think a lot of people are coming into the enneagram now because of social media just learning about what type they think they are or what someone else has told them they are. And then, yes, of course you're going to have trouble typing because you haven't even heard the other eight types. Mm -hmm. So how can you make an informed decision? You know, I know people just want to consume our content on Instagram that deals with their type. And then they want to message us and they're like, but wait, like I understand this. I'm like, yeah, because you haven't learned the other types. Mm -hmm. You have to learn all of them. If you really want to understand your type, you have to learn well, or it's, all. I'm not this type. I don't do this. Right. I don't know your battle. <laughs> right. I don't know your mind and your soul. Right. Like, I'm not thinking about you while I'm creating the content. I'm telling you what right. the type is. Right. And the type doesn't work itself around what you do. Exactly. Yes. The type is what it is. Right. Right. The, the ego is doing what it's doing. I mean, it's miraculous because we'll go to do these consulting jobs. You know, we do workshops um, for a department somewhere and we go through all the types. And I would say about 75% of the group has typed themselves and I feel that they're accurate. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And they didn't know the system. They knew right. nothing about it. Now, you know, we've seen some people be oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm this type or that type. Right. And they're like, Oh, right. maybe you look at this one and they're like, I don't know. Right. Yes, that happens. Right. But I mean, it's a very high rate of people. It is. It's miraculous to me. I expected them to struggle and they get it right away. And so that tells me that there's something wrong with the culture right. of the Enneagram. And I think it's these online groups and these forums where people read selective material. Mm-hmm. Some of said material could be made up. Mm-hmm. They don't even know where it comes from. They interpret it the way they believe it's to be interpreted. And then they go around typing people. And then there are people that listen to that. Right. And, and it's just confusion. Yeah. And it's a way to wield power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, going back to people that we've had in um, workshops that type themselves. I think the other thing is that they're not, they're not attached Right. They don't know what this is that they're about to learn most of the time. Um, And so there isn't this great attachment. I think the longer people are exposed to it and then the ego finds what they think, what it thinks its type is, then it starts to attach to it. And Mm -hmm. there's a sense of identity that comes with it. And then it's a little harder to let go of. It gets cloudy. Right. Um, And because the ego is just trying to be significant. So the ego is just doing what it's doing. It's not personal. Right. And that's what I try to remind myself. Right. When people are mistyping or being stubborn about I'm like, okay, it's not personal. The ego is just trying to stay alive, right? Mm-hmm. It's afraid that if you pin it down, it's not going to be able to do its shenanigans and it's not wrong, right? So um you know, kind of to go back to the what we started about started out talking about, which was this idea of presence with it, I there is a way to develop mindfulness around the Enneagram. I think sometimes people think, um, especially people that are really into mindfulness or, you know, uh, presence work, you know, more of the kind of Zen Buddhist tradition of understanding the spiritual journey, stuff like the Enneagram seems counterproductive because it's labeling and it's categorizing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I it was fr- refreshing to me to hear someone like Eckhart Tolle, who's all about like let go of form, let go of ego, just be in presence for him to say, no, it's helpful because it can point you in a direction. Now, if you become so attached, which is what we've been talking about, mm-hmm. to a particular form that it's taking that you can no longer see the truth, right? then it becomes detrimental. Right. And that's what, you know, I have met people and we've, I'm sure we've both worked with people where they become so identified with the Enneagram and t- 
typing and typologies and not just the Enneagram. A lot of times they'll be in a lot of different typologies. Yeah, I mean, it can be any system. And there is a point where I would tell people like, okay, you need to stop. Mm -hmm. This isn't this. They're getting more and more confused. They tend to have a more anxious. There's like an anxiety that comes with it. Um, There's like an obsession. And trust us, we obviously have been obsessed with typologies. We've learned many of them. Um, but it doesn't get you any closer to who you are. Mm -mm. It just, there's a point where it becomes so much mind clutter that, yeah, you completely lose yourself Mm -hmm. in it. You can't find yourself in it because you're trying to fit yourself into all of these different boxes. Right. Um, and it just becomes counterproductive, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's important to say these things, not so that people think that we're high and mighty and, you know, wagging our fingers at them. Right. It's more that I want people to understand that we're not just doing this to create mind candy and give people something to study. We're trying to help people liberate themselves. Right. And I mean, I know that sounds very lofty, um, but, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, we're trying to help lead you to the water. Right, right. I mean, I, you know, I, I can say for myself that, you know, as long as I've known about the Enneagram, and there are, I can look back at myself in my 20s, which, you know, most of us can that are past that point and be like, wow, it wasn't that serious, right? But I can see how my ego has become less entrenched in many ways, only because I can catch myself in the act, so to speak. Right. Does my four content still come up? Absolutely. Can I catch my, does it come up in the same way that it did 20 years ago? No. Um, are there things that would have irritated me or triggered me 20 years ago that don't trigger me now? Absolutely. Because I've developed, you know, I can, I can tag it for one thing. Um, but the biggest thing aside from tagging it, you know, and labeling it and putting, you know, type, try type instinct on it is I don't take myself that seriously anymore. Right. And I used to, and I think that's the other piece is people take their, there's a, there's a period of time when people are doing their work with the Enneagram and they take themselves really seriously and, and their egos really seriously. It feels so important. Yeah. You know what I mean? To do, figure this thing out that my type does or to stop doing it. Um, and that's another form of the ego sort of clamping down. It's creating tension, right? It's creating suffering in order to feel like it's doing something. It's solving a problem. Right. I, I was working with a client um, last week, a, a seven, who was trying to um, really was, was working on mindfulness, right? And, and trying to be more present. And they were so, they were doing it so hard, right? They were like, I gotta be present, right? And there was this like, tension around being present with people and i was like is that how's that working do you feel like it's creating more presence and they were like no i just then i'm just like out of the moment and i'm judging myself for not being more present and i was like why don't you just allow it Mm -hmm. just notice yourself being distracted or wanting to leave or not caring tag it and I guarantee you that if you just tag it and you don't have to do anything with it, just tag it, that over time you're going to develop more space around it. And then one day you're going to be sitting there and realizing, oh, I'm like really present with this person. I'm really listening. But the more you, I think, you know, the ego thinks it has to do something in order to create change. And that doesn't mean you can't work on things consciously. And I'm not saying, I'm not, you know, advocating for not having a structured approach, I guess, to self-work. But I think people think they have to do a lot more than they have to do because presence is literally just awareness of what you're doing. And a lot of people think if they don't do something, they're not going to improve. Well, it's also a choice. Right. I mean, I think that's something that people don't say because maybe it makes some people feel angry. Right. It's not easy. It can be very uncomfortable 
Right. Um, because your ego is telling you whatever story it's telling yeah. about why presence isn't going to work or why it's not helpful or you need to do this, that, and the other. More, right. Exactly. It's trying to make you feel like something's really important right. that needs to be tended to besides the presence. Right. And, you know, maybe sometimes something does need to be tended to, but most of the time we're we're solving problems right. that aren't a problem. And and they're not in the now. Exactly. You, if, if something needs to be done, you can only do it in the moment. Right. So thinking about or strategizing about how you're going to do this or do that. And next time I think this, I'm going to try this and think about this thing and do it this way. You're already not present. You're already in, a, in an imagined future or an apparent past that's already happened because I've done this before and been in this situation before and you are no, you're not present. Well, and you're wasting your vital energy. Right. You can only do it in the moment. And then when the moment arises, you either do it or you don't. And then you have another chance then, you know? And so I think that's um, ultimately what I want people to get to with working with their types is, you know, tagging it. Um, I, I wanted to kind of leave us with these three things that Eckhart Tolle, um, there was just sort of pointers that he was bringing out. And, and one of them, which I really liked, was the first one is you're never upset for the reason you think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where we start with the Enneagram when people's types yeah. is that when especially if they don't know. And it's like, I don't know why that made me upset. And they think it's one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's usually something, it's usually deeper. It's usually something you know, repetitive or traumatic or their instinct is triggered. Um, but it, we're never upset for the reason that we think. So if you just stop yourself when you're upset and you think, okay, whatever it is, I think that's upsetting me. Yeah. I'm pissed off that this car in front of me is going slow, but what is it really? Mm-hmm. Because in the grand scheme of things, you know, you're going to get where you're going. So what is it really? What are you really upset about? Right? So that's the first one. Um, and then the second one was kind of what we just talked about is what's your relationship to the present moment? Are you trying to manipulate someone else or the situation or your own ego in order to create an outcome? Are you resisting? I mean, most of the spiritual journey is about surrender, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of, there are certain types that just hate that word. Eights, for example, threes, it feels like losing um, but no ego wants to surrender. No, sir, no, no. You know, for whatever reason, there's right. different reasons. But exactly. no ego likes that right. framing. No, it feels scary. It feels like you're going to be at the mercy of whatever it is that you don't want. Mm-hmm. Um, when in reality, it's going to free you from suffering. But the ego doesn't believe that. It doesn't know that. Um, so yeah, what's your relationship to the present moment? And the third one is, is there space? Um, and and space is only created through awareness and surrender. So the first two lead to the third one. And, and if space is that feeling of, <clears throat> it's a background. And, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't think, that you don't have emotions, that you're not talking or doing things. But once you've developed a certain level of presence or awareness, you can feel it in the background. So your ego may be running, you may be saying things or doing things or getting done whatever you're doing, but is there a background of space or is the space drowned out by mental chatter and dialogue? And that's honestly the way most people navigate the world, I think. Mm -hmm. It's just full of whatever the ego is saying um, in any given moment. And, And the only time they have space is maybe like, you know, when they're doing something really relaxing, taking a bath or before they go to sleep. And then they're like, why can't it be like this all the time? Well, you can cultivate it, but it takes, you know, you have to be able to tag it, first of all, realize you're doing it and then get out of it. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, to shortcut, I would say the only thing you really can do, um, whether you're looking for your type or you're just trying to work with it, is just to observe, um, observe your dialogue, observe your narratives, observe your fixations, triggers, all of that. And there's valuable information in there. I give people that homework a yeah. lot to just observe. And it's kind of crazy how hard that is yeah. for people. They'll come back and they're like, oh, I don't have anything. Yeah. And I'm like, you 
didn't discover anything from right. observing your dialogue. And I think really what's happening is people are getting pulled into it. Right. And they're not actually they're stepping identifying back. With yes. It. Yeah. They're not stepping back to just watch it. Right. So spend time watching yourself, observe, and then allowing, allow yourself to show up as you are. And then this is where grace comes in. I tell every client, they've heard me say it 50 million times. um, And I know it's, it sounds like a platitude, but the work is giving yourself grace. Mm Mm-hmm. We are the way we are because this is how we're supposed to be. Right. We're not supposed to fix anything. And there's nothing to be fixed. Right. It's thinking that we have to fix it that creates the problem. Right. But giving ourselves grace and allowing ourselves saying, you know what? Yeah, I did get scared. Mm-hmm. And I don't like how that feels. And I felt really frail when that happened. But I understand, given what I've been through, why I would be scared. Right. And that's okay. And it's understandable. And next time I have a chance to show up and work against that. Yeah. I was going to say that when people start to notice their dialogue, usually there's a lot of judgment, Mm -hmm. which isn't helpful. That's the biggest thing all of my clients of every type have to battle is their own self-judgment. It's the judgment. And if you just remember, it's not personal. Right. It's just the ego. It's not personal. Nothing is personal. Nothing it is personal. It can't be. And, and, and people hate that. They do because they want it to be they personal. They don't believe it. Because they want to take responsibility and they want to do something. And I have to change this or change myself or change them. And it's not personal. It's just this the ego, the human ego doing what the human ego does. And once you can get to the it's not personal part, um, the surrender comes a lot easier. More easily. More easily. More easily. Um, I went to college. Uh, <laughs> the surrender comes more quickly because you're not, judgment is a form of uh, resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shouldn't be this way, right? And so I'm glad you said that about grace because you, you have got to give yourself grace. And some people give themselves more grace than they give other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to do both because if you can give yourself grace, you give other people grace. Everybody um, gets the grace. Right. And if you can give other people grace, then you need to learn how to give it to yourself as well. Yeah. I would say more often people struggle with giving it to themselves. Yes. Right. And that's why they can't give it to other people. Right. Because they're, they're not letting themselves yes. off the hook. Inside out. They need to make sure no one else gets exactly. let off the hook. Right. Yeah. So let's all loosen those grips. Yes. A little bit. I mean, how arrogant that we as humans say, this is how it should be. Right. And we all have different ideas. Right. And so, like, who's right? Well, like, again, Byron Katie says, if you argue with reality, you lose every time. Is it happening? Right. Is whatever happening in that moment that you hate and that is unacceptable and you can't deal with and you just wish, is it happening? It has to be happening. How is it helping you? Or it wouldn't be happening. At this point. To be pushing against what is reality. Right. And good luck with that. You yeah, know. That's where we suffer. And and that's what the sort of the root of human suffering, right? Is just arguing with reality. Mm-hmm. You can argue with reality and you're going to lose every time. So understand how you create suffering for yourself through right. the lens of your type. Right. And that is, that's the spiritual dimension of yeah. the Enneagram. And the reality of whatever you're... What even the emotion you're experiencing in that moment? Okay, you're pissed off. Just accept it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It's just an emotion. Right. It'll be here and it'll be gone, and I, it'll be here even longer if you argue with it and resist it. Right. So I think that allowing and surrender piece is really important because that that's what takes you into the space of presence. I think I figured out what the microphone smells like. What? <laughs> no, I lost it. I think you know, I do think it's the foam. I hope no one listening has misophonia because they're going to be like the, the, s- the sniffing. sniffing. No, I mean I have misophonia. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm not going to listen to this. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I thought I had it. I think it's the foam, and the foam is like activating some kind of weird, like limbic 
childhood memory. I mean, it has a chemical type of smell. So, I don't, know? I don't know. It's probably like fire retardant or something. Yeah, maybe. Which is like not good to inhale. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to try to do this more often. Yeah. Well, more, more conversations like this, hopefully in the future. Yes. Yeah. When, and when you say this, you don't just mean the episodes. No. Because we have given that speech but you mean no, focusing I just mean more like, on presence yes, and mindfulness presence yes. how to work with the with the types and yes yeah yeah more of that yeah, yeah. i know i'm over making promises about how often things are going to happen cuz we're not good at that yeah so. we know better than that yeah okay all right bye bye, bye.